Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. For more information, go to gracelife.me. That's gracelife.me. It is good to see you guys. When you came in on your seat was a little green card reminding you about Wednesday night. Please take that with you. Put that on your fridge or wherever it is you need to remind yourself what's going on Wednesday night. So we've got a fish fry. Who's from the south and says amen to that one? Come on. All right. Now for the vegans, we got you covered too. We've got food coming for those of you that are not into fish or any kind of meat or anything fried or whatever else. Don't worry. You'll all have a good time. Most importantly, you'll be able to find a group where you can connect with people, make some friends, find out how to follow Jesus better. It's just going to be a great time, so I hope to see all you guys here Wednesday night. If you're a guest and you're thinking, well, I, I don't know what that really means, well, first of all, we have a huge party, and second of all, everything is free. Yeah, there you go. We don't charge for food around here, because uh, that's just the way it is. So see you guys Wednesday night for free dinner, right? All right, good. Well, we're on part three of a series we've been doing called Think Different. And it's about the things that need to change in order for us to have an impact when we open the new building, right? And this entire series has been built upon one really important sentence. If you've been here for the last two weeks, you're going to be able to finish this sentence with me. Everybody ready? The building is not the vision. Well, at least you know it. But with very little conviction. We're going to do that again, just in case we mean it this time around. Come on, here we go. The building is not the vision. Changing lives is. That's what we are here to do. God did not say, hey, I'm going to send my son. He's going to die on the cross. Then he's going to go to heaven so you guys can just get together once a week for a couple thousand years. That's not the point. No, he left us with a mission. That is the point. And that is the big deal. We, we don't want to lose sight of what we're here to do, and that is to change lives for Jesus. So I want to point out the obvious real quick, and then we'll move on. And that is when we do a series, every message is connected and dependent upon another message in that series. What it usually comes down to is I decided to write about a four-hour sermon, and there was no way to do it in one week. And so it gets divided up. And so if you miss one week, if you're on vacation, traveling, or somebody was sick or whatever the story is, you have missed part in order for the other parts to make the most sense. So I would encourage you, if you've missed anything, go back and catch that online. And so last week, uh, we, we looked at a, a passage in Scripture that really had uh, two things for us to do to respond. And I just took off the easy way and said, we're going to do one of them this week, and we put it off to today. So what we talked about last week, one of those things was how we relate to people more based on the titles or the position they have than what God has actually put inside of them. Now, if you've been around Grace Life for any period of time, you've probably heard enough stories from me that you know I was a band director before becoming a pastor. And when I got my job, I was actually moving back from Romania as a missionary. I'd lived there for a year and a half, and I moved back a little late. It was the middle of the summer, and band directors are already doing band camp. So things were already in motion when I got hired to do this job, and, and my boss said, well, you know, just go over to the high school tomorrow morning and introduce yourself. So the band director didn't even know I was coming, so, and, and you, you need to know this fact, too. When I was, I was 22 at the time, and I looked like I was 12, that's a very true story. I can prove it, because when I was student teaching, the principal asked me for my hall pass in a middle school. 
That's a true story. So I looked like a kid who had forgotten his instrument, was late to practice, or had just moved in. And I walked up as the band director was ranting and, and just, just chewing some kids out. Turns out later on I figured out he had a reputation for being someone whose wrath you did not want to incur. So as I walked up to him and he's yelling and screaming and he gets done with them, I'm standing here, if he's standing there, and he looks at me and says, what do you want? I'm, I'm, I'm your new assistant band director. Oh, it is so nice to meet you. How about after we finish rehearsal, let's go down to Miss Bell's. She has the best coconut cream pie. Not kidding you. Completely, as soon as he found out what I was to him, he went from wanting to eat my head to wanting to share eating pie with me. Completely changes the manner. And this happens too often to us that we don't know how to relate to people based on what God has put in them or who they are, but only because of the position that they have. And we completely miss out on things. And here's the reason that matters and why we need to talk about it today. Because every single person in this room has a gift from God. Every single person in this room has a calling from God. But very few people in this room have a title. And if we relate to people only based upon titles, then most of you are going to miss out on what God has called you to do. Right? So, the most important thing for us to grab onto here is there's a lie that the enemy has created. This is ministry is for an elite few. Ministry is for an elite few. Here's what happens. The few end up overburdened, and the majority end up not walking in their purpose. And if you've been to First Step at Grace Life, we've already told you this is one of the biggest things that makes us different from any other church. You are not here to watch me do my thing. That's not what this church is about. Actually, in this church, I'm here to help you do your thing. Whatever it is God has called you to do. And so one of the more important things we've got to change to think different, to seize the opportunity that's coming with the building, is there's got to be more than a few doing what God has called them to do. That rhymed, and I didn't mean for it to, because that's not in my notes that way. That's, there's got to be more than a few doing what God has called them to do. We'll just put that on a magnet like we did last week and give that to you guys to carry away. But here's what I want to talk about. I want to help you get vision for your life, for what God has put into you so that you can have a, an idea of what it would look like for you to make a difference in the church where you go simply by sharing who you are and what you've learned. That's all you got to do. Share who you are, what you've learned, what God has done in your life. And so what we're talking about today is how many of you have leadership that you need to step into to influence the lives of other people so that they're not being neglected. A very important phrase we learned last week, you're holding to those words, right? Not being neglected, but also so that you find the purpose God has for you. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn with me to Exodus chapter 18. We're going to start in verse 13, and we're going to look at a story of Moses when he had finally gathered the Israelites together and got them out of Egypt. And once they finally had put the big significant problem behind them, they discovered they had their own significant problem themselves. And the messes they made and trying to figure out how to live together and how to work together and how to do what God had told them to do. And it was becoming a nightmare. And so we're going to pick up the story right here in verse 13. It says, the next day Moses sat to judge the people and the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. 
Last week, the passage we looked at talked about how there was a dysfunction in the leadership, and as a result, the people were, remember the two words, being neglected. What do you think is happening here? People are being neglected. You hear that phrase? They're standing around from morning till evening. You know what happened at evening? Moses decided his voice didn't work anymore, and he went and laid down and went to sleep and came back, and some of those people were still there. My wife and I got married in Romania, because she's Romanian, that kind of makes sense, and we wanted to take a European vacation honeymoon kind of thing. And one of the things we had to do was get a visa to Austria. Austria was not really happy about Romanians coming. I don't know why that is, but it's just the way that it was. And so they made the process as difficult as possible. And the way that they would even consider is they had a line that would form outside the embassy. They would open the door at 8, and they would close it at 2. And they didn't care how long the line was at 2 o'clock. They were just done. And so if you wanted to get in that line and not be neglected, you had to get into that line days early. So my wife and I went down to the to city of Bucharest where the embassy was, and we got in line when the sun was still up the day before and slept on a sidewalk all night long with a whole bunch of other people so that the next morning we might be early enough in line to actually get stuff done. They didn't care. Imagine what this is like. We're talking about people standing in line from morning until evening. And then at some point, you know, there's a guy that's got, he's done this for three days. And he needs to talk to Moses. And he finally gets the bright idea. I'm not going home this time. I'm going to sleep on the sidewalk tonight. This is not good, as we're about to see pointed out. But it turns out all throughout Scripture, as well as in our reality today, when leadership doesn't function correctly, when everyone doesn't carry the burden of what God wants them to do, someone is always being neglected. And this is what we're going to try to avoid when we move into a new building. So verse 14, Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, and he said, what is this that you're doing for the people? Why do you sit alone? Y'all see that word? Alone. The opportunity that God is going to give us when we move into a larger, more attractive, more influential facility is not something that I can do alone. It is not something that a group of leaders and I can do alone. He says, all the people stand around you from morning till evening. And, and then, oh, I got off. Where am I here? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? And then Moses' answer to his father-in-law was, well, let me just tell you what I'm doing. Well, because the people come to me and inquire of God. And when they have a dispute, they come to me and I decide between one person and another. And then I also make known to them the statutes of God and his laws. Moses thought he had a good answer. He thought what he was saying actually made sense. He basically said this, the people need me. I'm Moses. They need me. They can't do any of that without me. So let me make sure you understand, there were three very important things he was doing, all of which have to be done. The first is he was a judicial judge. They did not have separation of church and state like we did today. Everything was one. Your religious leader was also your civil leader. And so they went to Moses to say, Moses, I traded an ox for two sheep and some barley. But the sheep died the next day. He gave me a sick sheep. I need you to tell him to give me a healthy sheep. And the guy's going, I gave him a healthy sheep. He killed in the middle of the night. He's trying to get another free one from me. And Moses has to decide which one. Who wants that job? Well, like a million people wandering in the desert. Yeah, I didn't think so. Second thing he had to do was seek vision from God and his will for the people. 
Because Moses wrote some of our Old Testament. He was the one getting God's ideas for the people and coming back and saying, this is what God has for you. Which leads us to the third thing. He was the one most responsible to teach how to live God's ways. So he was doing all this himself. He truly believed he was helping. And Moses' father-in-law says, no, you're hurting. You're not helping at all. Verse 17, Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you're doing is not good. And here's why. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. It's too heavy for you. The opportunity that's coming is too heavy for me. And he says, you are not able to do it alone. And there's a very important they and a very important you in this. Number one, they will be neglected. There are a lot of people. And as we said last week, with people come problems. Lots of people, lots of problems. This is not going away unless you kill half of them, right? Can't do that, Moses. So lots of people, lots of problems. They're going to be neglected. Number two, you will wear yourself out, which ultimately will help no one when you become useless. So let me tell you what to do. Verse 19, he says, so now obey my voice and I will give you advice and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and you shall bring their cases to God. And you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Yep. So you're going to keep going to God and getting vision for his people. He's decided that's you. He called you when you were walking alone. He came and spoke out of a burning bush. Nobody can take away that job. He has put you there. Some people are going to try to take it away. It's never going to go well for them, but those stories come later. All right. This is your job. We're good with that part. You are the one who knows what God said, so you get to be the one to teach it. You need to hear from God. You need to teach the people. But that's where it needs to end. Hmm. Anybody seeing similarities here? Verse 21, because he says you've got to get some other people involved. You've got to get other people leading people. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, men who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs. God's calling some of you to be chiefs today. Many of you, actually. Chiefs of thousands, chiefs of hundreds, chiefs of fifties, and chiefs of tens. Let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. They will bear the burden with you. We have talked about the needs increasing as we go into a newer facility as the room doubles and triples and quadruples and continues to whatever the number is for six times the size of this room as we get to that point the needs of what god is going to do through grace life are going to grow dramatically as a result of that many many people who do not know jesus are going to come many people who have never been taught how to follow jesus all they know is that they're going to heaven they also are going to come Many people who have never opened one of these so they don't really know what it tells them to do with the problems they are facing are going to come. Many people are going to come and they are going to need more than one person to help them. Matter of fact, they're going to need more than a handful of people to help them. The burden of what God is going to call us to do as a church will be great. So for us, this is going to be an opportunity And for us to turn this opportunity into changed lives, like we've talked about, many of us need to bear the burden together. So I need to make sure you understand this is not just about them. 
I could stop at this point, right? I mean, hopefully at this point, you care enough about them that that would be enough. We could just, okay, good. Let's figure out what we need to do for them. That's a responsibility God's given us. It's a responsibility Moses took on. When Moses said, you will lead my people, Moses didn't, didn't say, well, no, I, I kind of got a busy day going on here. I don't think so. He did have his moments, by the way, if you've ever read his story. There were a few times he was like, God, you can just have your people back. So if you feel that way you know, every now and then, don't worry. You're in good company. Moses did as well. But this isn't just about them. And it's not just about the responsibility, privilege, I'd like to say, that God has given us. It's also about you. Because you have an opportunity to have a meaningful influence in another person's life. You ever thought about that? You have the opportunity to have a meaningful influence in somebody else's life. I met a soldier going on seven or eight years ago or so now. Somehow he managed to keep getting stationed in this part of the world and I've stayed in touch with him. And when he first came... He was, he was sent here to Fort Jackson, as most of you are aware of uh, what we do here, so chances are he was a drill sergeant. It turns out that's what he was doing, but he had been deployed multiple times, and, and he believed that the best way to spend his life was dying for his country, to die an honorable death for his country, and there is nothing wrong with that. That just truly was his only goal. He never saw himself making it past the deployment. And so when they sent him here to be a drill sergeant and sent all of his friends back to hot and sandy places, he couldn't handle it. He couldn't handle the guilt. He couldn't handle the pressure. His marriage was falling apart. His life purpose was falling apart. He didn't want to get out of bed, and you did not want to be one of his recruits. Wow, it was miserable for everybody. And it took a while. It took many years of just sitting and having lunch and having coffee and talking with him, but helping him understand that there is something greater than trying to figure out how to die, and that is figuring out how to live. You see, if you can live for a purpose greater than the one you can die for, imagine what you can do. As a result, his marriage is, a, is so much better. Matter of fact, he's even opted to change careers just for his family, for his marriage, for what God was doing in that uh, it just Things are just amazing now. And, and every time he sees me, he comes with a gift. Usually generous gifts, because he thinks that I'm like sitting right beside Jesus in his eyes. And I'm not, I'm just another person, but I made a difference in his life. And I'm going to tell you, you, you will never know as incredible a feeling as when somebody looks at you and says, my life is the way it is because of you. And you may think, well, that's just because you're a pastor. Pastors get those stories. Well, no, no, anybody who is willing to invest in another person's life. Anybody who is willing to make a meaningful difference, to be an influence, because another soldier could have shared the same thing. Another father could have shared the same thing. It actually wasn't because I was his pastor, because you want to know this part of it? He wasn't coming to Grace Life. He wasn't coming to Grace Life. He had run into someone I knew on the other side of the United States. A chaplain from Washington called me and said, hey, this person just got transferred to Fort Jackson. Can you look him up? I wasn't his pastor. I was his friend. You too can have those kinds of stories, not by becoming a pastor, but by simply recognizing if this room is going to double, the number of people are going to double. What if every one of you could take one? 
This room is going to triple. What if every one of you could take two? Or you could at least take one and raise them up fast enough that two of you can tag team the next. However God puts it in your heart to do. Here's what I want to ring in your hearts today when you leave this room. Here's what I want you to remember for the next nine to ten months when we move into the building. I want this to be a phrase you can never forget because it's the absolute truth. A church can only reach its potential if those in the church reach theirs. A church can only reach its potential if those in the church reach theirs. We've got this idea, the building is going to do something for us. No, it's not. The only thing the building is going to do is cause you to drive 300 yards extra. Unless you live the other direction, then 300 yards less. That's what the building is going to do. It's a bunch of concrete and steel. You think by having a bigger room, we're going to change the city. No, it's not. The room doesn't change the city. It just gives more people a chance to sit and watch me talk. That doesn't do what we're after. We need every one of us individually to look around the room and say, I can help that person. I can help that person. I can help that person. I can be a chief of a thousand. I can be a chief of a hundred. I can be a chief of 50. I can be a chief of 10. Maybe I can just be a chief of one, but I will. I will. I will share the burden because Moses can't do it alone. Here's the reality. If anybody knows me, I have a grand vision for Grace Life, one that I do believe God has given me, but it really doesn't matter if you don't have a grand vision for you because my grand vision for us is useless if you don't have a grand vision for you. Are you all with me on that? You've got to believe that you can make a difference in the lives of other people. You've got to stand up, raise your hand, and say, tell me what to do. Not now, but <laughs> figuratively. I've got to be careful. Someone may actually do that. You may say, how can I do this? The question I hope that many of us are asking right now is how can I become a meaningful influence in someone else's life? And my simple answer to that was meet them where they're searching. You see, when people come in, as they do today, as many people will actually do in the next 10 months, by the way. We had three people give their life to Jesus last Sunday alone. Are you aware of that? And I think two the Sunday before. And I've lost count because every Sunday somebody is. So this isn't just about the building. I mean, think of what's going to happen between now and the building, right? So and when someone comes in into the new building, when someone comes in here next week, when someone is here for the first time today, they're going to be looking for preaching and teaching. They'll find it. They're going to be looking for worship. Man, they found it today, didn't they? They'll find that. Brett's going to make sure of it. They'll also be looking for community. Now that's where the question begins. Because I can't have 600 people in my living room. I let as many people into my living room as I can. I lead a life group that usually has about 40 people in it. People sit on our stairway up in the, the loft and people are in the dining room and people are on the floor with my dog and people are on the chairs. Anybody ever been in my life group? You know what I'm talking about, right? I can, I can only do so much community. We need chiefs of tens and of fifties and of hundreds. The question, will they find community? And when they go to community, they're looking for friendship. Will they find friendship? Because I don't, I'm a human. Can't be friends with 600 people. Can't text that many people in a day. What if we double 1,200 people? I can't be best friends with 1,200 people. I can't answer 
the problems and give advice and pray with 1,200 people. No, that's what your friends do. And when they go into that community and they look for friendship, they're also looking for what we all need, which is just discipleship. How do I love Jesus better? How do I know what this book says? How, how can I do what I'm supposed to do in my marriage? How can I raise my kids? How can I pray? How can I read the Bible? What is, I don't know how to do any of this. They're going to be looking for that. The question is, will they find it outside of what I say on a Sunday morning? So here's what you need to know. I will make sure they have preaching and teaching. Brett will make sure they have worship. In terms of community, friendship, and discipleship, it's up to us. Us. Not me. Us. Because we do this in groups. And we need leaders of those groups of tens and fifties and twenties and thousands and hundreds and however we want to do that. This is why Wednesday is so important and, and this you, you won't believe me. You've got to trust the Holy Spirit. I didn't coordinate to say this today with our life group launch on Wednesday. It, it, this actually has happened multiple times where whatever I am preaching just lines up with what we're about to do. My pastor friends tell me I should be coordinated enough. And you're going to do a life group launch? You should be telling your people why they need to come. It just happened. It just happened that this part of this series lines up with this is the reason we're doing these groups this week is so that you find community so that you find friendship, so that you find discipleship, so that you can grow, so that you can be in these groups and meet people that you would never meet on a Sunday morning. Here's the, the simple answer to that. What has changed your life? What has changed your life? What are you passionate about? Then lead a group on that. Lead a group on that. We've got some men that what has changed their life most is getting together with other men, so... Go and lead a men's group. If what has changed your life most is, is a certain book of the Bible, then lead a group talking about that book of the Bible. If what has changed your life most is getting your money in order so you're not ready to kill your wife or husband, whichever it is anymore, then go lead a finance group. Whatever God has done that you go, man, if it weren't for that, then I want you to think about the next person who's going to come in looking for what you were looking for. Who better to help them but you? If the most important thing that you can look back on in the church and think about is the friendships and the relationships you got, then lead a group that just has food and people. Because people love food. And they will come. I've got a pastor friend of mine that leads a spaghetti group every week because for some reason, spaghetti brings people. And then they talk about Jesus and it works. You don't even have to have another topic if the most important thing you've ever found is friendship and relationships. Tell them there will be food. People will come. You will make friends. That's what we're here to do. I want to close by talking about this. God calls us his family. So as we close, I want to shift gears. I want everybody to think with me for a second. God calls us his family. You know what that makes you? Brothers and sisters. Now, I was the baby in the family. I had two older sisters. I will not tell you any of the stories that they tormented me with at the moment. But some of you are the older brothers and sisters. And even today, if some of you are the youngest siblings in the room, 10 months from now, you need to be an older brother or sister. You just do. Too often in the church, we want others to do for us what we are capable of doing for others. We've watched this happen in our own family. We had 
kids and we were having them fast enough that they had to figure some things out for themselves until we got to the last one. And it didn't help, of course, that she was a girl, the only girl. Didn't help that I call her princess, not her real name. So she kind of got this idea, everybody will do everything for me. I don't have to do anything for anybody else. And we started to discover we had children doing things for other people at the same age that she is. So, well, her life is starting to change. She's learning she too can clean bathrooms and she can pour her own milk in a cup. And some of us just need to make that same kind of adjustment. We need to look around and go, I am no longer the baby of the family. No longer. So sometimes the reason that we don't do what we're capable of doing for others is simply because of laziness and apathy. But I really don't think those are the main reasons. When I run across somebody who's not doing what God's called them to do because of laziness and apathy, it is such a small portion of the population. Let me tell you what most of us are dealing with in the room. I'm going to tell you the two things that I see in people more than anything else, and I'm going to let you decide which one of them is the wall in front of you. Because we've got to tear the wall down. Number one, the voice of the enemy. When someone looks at you and says, you could lead a life group and teach other people to do what you know. First thing that goes through your mind is another voice saying, hey, you? No. Not you. You looked in the mirror? Don't you know who you are? Who do you think would come to a group if you're the leader? What do you think you have to offer? Who do you think you are? Many of us are very familiar with those statements. And those statements do not come from your loving Father who created you and called you and put great things inside of you. No, those come from His enemy and your enemy who wants to keep the church ineffective and to keep you living a meaningless life. That's His goal. And as good Christians, we do our best to pass it off as humility. Well, you know, I am just uh, probably not the best one to teach that there, Pastor. It's not humility, I'm sorry to tell you not humility it's the enemy's tactic and we need to stop listening to him well the second thing the rest of you you simply have a lack of vision or a lack of permission to do what god has put in you and so my goal today this entire message was to give you vision hopefully and permission definitely you have permission everybody hear me Grace Life is your church. You have permission to do what God has put in your heart. You have permission to share with others what has mattered most to you. You have all permission to do what God says will make a difference in the lives of another. And hopefully you have vision. Hopefully this message has caused you to say, I can do that. I can do that. Why? Because the church can only reach its potential if those in the church reach theirs. I want to close by talking to those of you who have yet to make Jesus your king. We were singing earlier, I hope that there was something that started to burn inside of you. You know, many of us go to church. I went to church myself for 16 years. It was until I was a teenager. 
And finally, I recognized it wasn't about going to church that gets you into heaven. It's not about going to church that makes you right with God. It is recognizing that Jesus died for you. And at some point, you have to look him in the face, compressing time for 2,000 years. Look at him in the face on the cross and say, thank you. Thank you. Now I will live for you. If you've never done that, I want to help you do that this morning. You do not have to stand up or come down front or do anything weird. Just right where you're seated, join me. Let's pray. Say something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that you died for me. And so now I do want to live for you. I thank you for your love, your mercy, your forgiveness. And my simple prayer is that you would give me a life of great meaning and great purpose in your kingdom. Amen. Let's celebrate with those people. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. For more information about us, you can go to gracelife.me. That's gracelife.me. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash gracelifeme and on Twitter at gracelifechurch.com.